Welcome back to Becky Well Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. And it's Monday. You know what that means. Joining us now, Odyssey NFL insider Jason Lockenfora, host of the Odyssey original podcast in the huddle with Brian Baldinger and Carl Dukes covering the entire NFL. Jason, thanks so much for joining us. Well, the Chiefs lost. The Ravens may not have covered, but they certainly knocked off the Arizona Cardinals. Let me ask you point blank. If you would like to re-rank AFC teams, if you'd like to redo your power rankings, who is the best team in the AFC right now? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> You're honest. That's yeah. Cool. I, I do. Can we wait until after the trade deadline at this point? Uh, oh, yeah. The Chiefs situation was, was odd, and I, I wonder how much – you know, the the flu was going through their locker room. And if if that, you know, was a very real factor here in the end, um, I didn't see that coming. I thought that this game, uh, they'd have the elixir for the Broncos, you know, after having seen them in the short week and, and won ugly, I thought they might win pretty here. And instead they lost, uh, I mean, they, they, they lost in a cumulative fashion. Um, the likes of which we don't often see. And they need to do something before the trade deadline. Like, they need a receiver. The Baltimore Ravens, despite all the money they've spent on guys like Odell Beckham, where who are giving them nothing, and all the draft picks they've wasted on people like Rashad Bateman, um, they, they need one. Uh, Miami's defense, you know, it, I, it still kind of gives me pause. And, and – when they play teams that can really move the ball, you know, I, I don't know quite what to make of them. I would say uh, those writing off the bills, while I don't think this is going to be a bills team that, you know, goes 14 and three or anything like that, obviously. I still think they win that division. Um, and look out for the Cincinnati Bengals. So, I mean, in this league right now, I, I don't think there's a whole lot separating um, a lot of these teams, especially like teams you would put in the upper middle class to sort of, you know, first class. I, I don't know that where those delineations are. Um, you know, like if the Lions and the Chiefs played on a neutral site tomorrow, I mean, I might lean to the Lions again, you know, which – I, it surprises myself hearing it come out of my mouth, especially as we talk right now, the last time the Lions played, they got humiliated across the board. But I think they flexed their big boy muscles tonight. So, you mean, I don't know, you know? Like, where would you have had San Francisco 48 hours ago and, you know, 365 hours ago? You know, I, probably a lot higher than you have them right now. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, let's talk about the trade deadline. We've been hitting on it every Monday with you, and it's here. And in the last week before the deadline, we have all these quarterbacks go down to injuries. I don't know if it's going to make a team a buyer or a seller. Uh, you tell us, what should we be looking for uh, by Halloween, 4 o'clock Eastern at that deadline? Yeah, I don't know that you're going to see a massive super uh, – uh quarterback deal you know I think a lot of those teams it's just about making the best of your practice squad or this is why we drafted so-and-so you know we didn't think we'd have to you know 
smash the glass and break in case of an emergency in week nine. You know, that's a little early to be doing it, but that's what we have to do. I mean, Tennessee just did it, and it worked out pretty damn well for them. Like, let's be real. If that's what they thought they were getting out of Will Levis, Will Levis, would it would have happened by now. You know what I mean? It, it, it would have happened. So, you you, you know, you, you don't know. Um, do I think, like, a Josh Dobbs could change teams? You know, I'm just thinking of guys who are playing right now. You know, like, maybe. I, I'm sure there's some others. Um, Fields? You know, Trubisky. Trubisky might have been an interesting candidate, right? <laughs> like, Trubisky, and he didn't play well, and he's never going to play well, but, you know, he can run around, whatever. <laughs> People seem to like him. You know what I mean? Like, if Pittsburgh doesn't lose picket, like, could Trubisky, like, could somebody have looked at Trubisky and said, you know, that's going to help us get it done? No, Fields, I, I don't I, I would be shocked if anything happened, you know, of, of that significance. You know, I think it's more like, is there a team out there that thinks they're a playoff team? that, like, might want Andy Dalton, you know? Like, do the yeah. Minnesota Vikings feel like, hey, oh, yeah, we could go get Colt McCoy off the street, but, like, do we think Andy Dalton's a little better, you know? do we Can we give the whatever, the Panthers a, a five or a six for Dalton? Like, I think guys like that are commodities. You know, at other positions, obviously, we're talking big fish. Um, at least there's conversations about big fish. You know, and, and don't don't let anybody tell you that, you know, just because some team whispered something in some agent's ear about, hey, we really don't want to trade your guy. You know, every year there's about 45 kids who get told, if you're up on the board, when we pick in the first round, you're our pick. Probably more than 45. Might be 60. How many picks were there in the first round? So you do the math. Um, you know, the Derrick Henrys, the Saquon Barkleys, the Max Crosbys, you know, the Devontae Adams. Nothing's out of the question. You know, Wayne Gretzky got traded. Babe Ruth got traded. Um, there, there, there are big moves that could take place. I can't bet awards here in Virginia, but I think the MVP market is intriguing because all of the quarterbacks mm. have looked vulnerable. Pat Mahomes, the favorite, not his best showing. It, pro it probably won't go to a non-quarterback, but could things be way more wide open this year than we've seen before. Yeah. You know, it might not be the craziest thing in the world to embrace chaos there and, and sprinkle a little bit on some non-traditional um, players, positions, whatever. Like if you are a Kyle Shanahan truther, I'm not, but there's a lot of you out there. Who, boy, he's just got the pixie dust. And he can, he can turn anything around. You know, San Francisco can't lose three games in a row. Kyle Shanahan can't lose three games in a row. <laughs> okay. But if you're one of them, you know what I mean? Like, the, the real glue is Trent Williams. I'm not letting you a little secret. Trent Williams is the guy who makes everything go from an EPA and DVOA standpoint. But he ain't getting any postseason awards. So, like, Christian McCaffrey, if he just keeps scoring two touchdowns every week, right, and they do get back in this thing, and Purdy's numbers look miserable, and Kittle's down, and Debo's missed time, you know, but let's say you think they're going to come out of this bye like a house of fire, and then let, and you, the left tackle will come back, and everybody's, whoa, he's going to raise it. You know, like that, that might be interesting because if the guy scores a touchdown every week, right, he's going he's gonna to set some wreck. Like, if this streak goes on into perpetuity – it's going to get a lot of attention. It's going to be on people's radars. Um, I would not write off <laughs> Joey Burrow 
And that's very traditional as a quarterback. But, like, this is what they yeah. do. They, they wake up a little bit before Halloween, and you look at the standings at the end of the year, and you look at his numbers, and you're like, mm-hmm. man, what happens, you know, when the leaves change for those guys? But I think that's very real <laughs> and very possible again. You know, in the, and then, like, if you're looking for other candidates in, in the NFC, I mean, I don't know. Could it be, a, like, A.J. Brown? I mean, if he, hmm. if he, it's 125 and a touchdown to two every week, and Hertz is kind of limping around, right? And they don't want Hertz running as much. And Hertz is not even going to have a good, as good a season as last year. So it's not going to be Hertz. Maybe that's something that um, could be worth a sprinkle. As far as some NFC divisions, certainly the Lions, I mean, yeah, it's October, and it looks like they've wrapped it up uh, given the problems the Vikings and the Packers and the Bears yes. have had, so that mm-hmm. uh, no question there. Uh, but in the West, the 49ers look vulnerable, and the Seahawks, like, maybe they do just enough to win that division. That's still a possibility. The South is completely up in arms. What in the world are you supposed yeah. to expect there? And then in the East, yeah, the Eagles have the best record in the NFL, the only team with only one blemish. But that was a really impressive win by the Dallas Cowboys, and they get to face each other next week. How do you see these divisions up in the air playing out? Um, yeah, well, let's see. In the NFC, what would – yeah, I, I – something about the Seattle operation, I, I just can't I – just, I, I just don't quite totally buy it. You know, and I think when San, like, and I, I think San Francisco, the hype on them got out of control. But if if they're healthy on the other side, you know, and the, the quarterback goes back to being what he is, a guy they that you know they're shooting for yeah, fifteen to eighteen completions, you know, one or two big shots downfield, um, you know, high percentage football. Uh, I, I think they're going to be fine. Um, Personally, I, I just I, I don't know, man. I I can't really back. I can't really back Seattle. I don't. I still don't quite know what they are. I don't think the quarterback's any good. I think the defense is good. I don't think it's great. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I I don't really see anything I want to play there. Like in the South, I'd probably play the Saints because I think their defense is the most consistent unit in that division. And, like, I don't think the quarterback's going to win any big games for them. It's just a matter of, you know, how many does he blow? How many, you know, double agent, you know, uh, red zone interception, three turn, you know, three turnover days does he have? So I, I would lean New Orleans there. I, I don't think the Cowboys are catching the Eagles. I don't think the Cowboys are as good as the Eagles. I mean, that's Dallas at home, you know, off a of bye against the Rams team that um, – Matt Stafford, what they weren't going to be able to like. Matt Stafford wasn't going to hold up. Matt Stafford having to face the Steelers and the Cowboys back to back weeks with what he does against pressure, which is nothing. Just I didn't think that I I, I didn't think that was much of a match. And I I think that's the that's exactly what the Dallas Cowboys do. Like they've got more rest than the other team. There's a huge talent imbalance. We get to punch down on them from the first quarter on. Yeah. Um. You know, I, I, I would still lean to the, the Bills in the East. I just think that they have the in, internal fortitude and the coach-GM um, combination to just win games ugly. Um, you know, in the North, I haven't looked at the numbers lately um, in that market, but I'm sure the Bengals were down for a while and maybe there's no value there anymore. Mm-hmm. But 
I, the Bengals, to me, um, very much alive to win that division. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's going to be Jacksonville in the South, right? Like, I, I don't think there's a whole mm-hmm. lot of mystery um, to that one. And, as, and look, it, it can't, like, do you really buy Brandon Staley? Like, I know what they did last night, but come on. When they play come real on, teams, yeah. what happens? Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, even with the Chiefs being down, I don't see anybody else with the arrow up enough to, to even that imbalance. Uh, you know how uh, these voters think when it comes to the awards. When Sunday night happens, Buffalo, Cincinnati, even though he's only been active for one game, after all that coverage and the celebration and the stories that we're going to hear in the lead up, is it just going to be DeMar Hamlin's your comeback player of the year and he just runs away with it? Yeah, I mean, it's quite possible. I mean, you know, not, obviously early in the year, he wasn't active a ton and, and, and all that. Um, but, yeah, I don't even know that that's about football. I think it's it's more right, right there's the human element of this. And that is a incredibly compelling human interest story. Um, and that, look, that the aftermath of that, um, I know we live in a short attention span, you know, society now. I mean, that was an international story. I mean, that that that, you know, was not just a sports story by any stretch of the imagination. So for that young man to be able to pull out of that and live normally and play normally and do all the good he's doing, right, and become an ambassador for getting these pulmonary units, you know, close to these fields and the grassroots level, right, of youth athletics and high school athletics. And, I mean, I'm just trying to, like, go through in my head, like, if I'm missing, like, I, I don't know that there's some other massive redemption story that we're missing. No. Are we? You know, no. somebody coming back from catastrophic. Like there's no Alex Smith in this equation, right? right. Like I don't I don't see mm-hmm. one. And even just from a, you know, old guy changes teams, gets better, magic elixir, you know, turn back the hands of time. I, I yeah, there's not anything jumping out at me. So that's that's probably a smart play. Yeah. What do you like tonight? Monday night football, the Raiders who rank 25th in defensive DVOA at the lions, this spread at seven and a half and seven, depending where you do your shopping side total or props that you like in this one, Jason. About 30 seconds. Were, Sorry. Th- yeah. Realize we are out of time. There, there were three teams. I thought were going to go crazy this weekend offensively and cover the Eagles who did. If you had them at six and a half, it came nowhere close. And the one I like the most and the one I've played the most are the Lions. So take that for what you will. But I think Jared Goff goes over 300 yards. I think the Lions, I like all totals into the 30s. Um, uh, I think I, I think Jameer Gibbs catches a bunch of balls for a bunch of yards. And I, I think they win this game by two scores or more, possibly three. I mean, if they did to the Raiders what the, what the Ravens did to the Lions, I wouldn't be surprised in the least. Good stuff. Jason Lockenfora, thank you so much for your time. We greatly appreciate it. That was Odyssey NFL Insider Jason Lockenfora. Make sure to follow In the Huddle on the Odyssey app or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, we give our thoughts on Monday Night Football with the Lions in a bounce back spot against the Raiders. Our favorite angles are coming right up right here on the BetQL Network. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network.
fourth and one. A fake. Jackson, room, first down, touchdown! This is BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM from BetQL. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. And it's time to talk Monday Night Football between the Raiders and the Lions. Detroit is at home. They are seven and a half point favorites here. The total Mm -hmm. is 47. Maybe uh, not a lot of surprises there, Joe, but there may be some big reasons to back Detroit, even as heavy home favorites. I'd assume that the biggest decision for sportsbooks tonight is Lions teasers. Everybody was doing Sunday night to Monday night, so the Chargers comes through with flying colors. Will tonight's result be similar to what we saw last night? I don't know that it would surprise me all that much. Yeah, the total uh, 46 in the hook, Jimmy G. Back on the field, I guess that's good for the Raiders. They're still more than touchdown underdogs because, God, the combination of Hoyer and O'Connell were so putrid last (laughs) week. Yes, I said it, putrid. Against the Bears defense last week. Um, But so the Lions have this terrific offensive line, and it looks like they're going to be missing a couple of guys. Jonah Jackson already out their guard. Uh, Center Frank Ragnow, he's been dealing with injuries for a number of years. He's doubtful. That usually means in NFL terms that he's going to be out. And they're down to RB2, which for many teams would be just as good, if not better, than the RB1 that they have, though. And that's where I'm going. That That's how I'm attacking uh, tonight. So if we look at Jameer Gibbs last week when he made his return from injury, similar situation because David Montgomery was out. Gibbs was out there while just making his first return for 87% of the snaps. You don't see that much in the league. 87% of the snaps. And the game was out of hand. I would have thought that Dan Campbell would have said, okay, it's time to pull Gibbs. It was clear in the second quarter that that was a Ravens day and nothing you were were going to do was going to stop that. Uh, He had 68 rushing yards, a rushing touchdown. He had 58 58 receiving yards on 10 targets. And he caught nine of them. So last week was that first big boom game for Gibbs. And guys, I think we're going to see it again. We expect the Lions to be playing from in front. You have no Montgomery. So Gibbs is going to be out there all day. For me, it's just a matter of where do you go? Do you want to go 15 and a half attempts? Eh. I mean, you could certainly run on the Raiders all day if you want. The rushing yards is 70 in the hook. But you're always concerned with Gibbs. Like, okay, well, what if the majority of it is on the receiving end, like last week. Three and a half catches, 24 and a half receiving yards. Uh, the, the total for rushing and receiving, 95 and a half. That's probably a pretty good look for a guy that's going to get a heavy yeah. workload tonight. Yeah. And the touch the touchdown prop, minus 135 is not bad. It wouldn't shock me if he gets in there a couple times, better than four to one. But but everything I'm focusing tonight, it isn't sad. It isn't, isn't total. I'm... I'm going to go with Gibbs probably in a a number of ways here. So I was looking at Gibbs too, and it's been bet up for like 67 and a half to most places have 71 and a half. I love looking at rushing plus receiving Joe. I think that's a good look because you just don't know. And if they're up, you know, and they're in golf, isn't passing the ball as much. They're going to run the ball more. I mean, so it just kind of covers you. Right. So I like that. Another prop I looked at is Sam Laporta. Over on his receiving at 44 and a half, um, he's been going over his props 
quite a bit. Um, let's see. I have his game log here. 52 last week, 36, 47, 56, 84. So um, I looked at his prop. It's only minus 113. The other thing I was thinking, the lion stuff makes me want to vomit. But do we want to <laughs> do some spreads, my good people? Plus 420, one of our favorite numbers on the show. You can get <laughs> minus 20 and a half. <laughs> what? The Twitch knows what I'm talking about. Oh, boy. I know. Um, we all know. That doesn't seem very to me. It seems we very blatant. <laughs> inside joke. Smoke's on. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, mm. I was looking at some old spreads. Maybe I want to ladder it. How does it go wrong? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. How do you ladder the, the 420? Uh, okay, so <laughs> I'm actually a little surprised that like you guys aren't looking at sides and you're not looking at Raiders props. Because to me, I think those two things are way more reliable than how the Lions are going to win this game. Like We all agree Detroit's going to win this and probably win it going away. I think that's fine. Okay. I think the way they do it is a little unpredictable. Could be Laporta. Could be Jameer Gibbs going off. You know, I'm in the wrestling brand. Like the Lions have a lot of different weapons and a lot of different avenues they could take to getting a dominant win. And so I'm a little nervous about backing any kind of Lions props. I'm probably a little bit more comfortable backing things that I think are a good bit more reliable, such as, say, Raiders props, for instance. How do the Raiders like remotely stay in this game? How do they like avoid getting shut out? Or they just get 7, 10, 14 points, something like that, while they're losing by 17 or 20 or whatever it is. I think the game script will require the Raiders to pass a good bit more. And I think the Lions are more than competent enough to be able to contain Demonte Adams. So to me, this is probably a Jacoby Myers game. He'll probably get targeted a lot for better or for worse. So I like over four and a half receptions for him. And yeah, it's a little juice at minus 145 on BetMGM, but I'm more than comfortable taking that because I don't see any other way the Raiders will even attempt to move the ball. Anyway. I mean, look, the Raiders can't run on the Lions. The Lions run defense is outstanding. And I think mm-hmm. they know enough to bracket one of the better receivers in the NFL. So I think it's the second option that will at least the, keep the Raiders at least a little bit competitive. And I mean, just a scotch, Joe. Yeah, look, I'm sure there's a lot of people that want to bet on Devontae Adams, especially after his comments over the last couple of weeks. And those comments were about when Jimmy Garoppolo was out there. Jimmy Garoppolo was not there last week against the Bears. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I know a lot of people want to bet that, but if you look at his number right now, it's about 75 and a half at most spots. He's gone under that in the last four games. Last four games, he's gone under that number. So Myers, though, if I'm going to the Raiders receiver, that's the guy. He's got 11 red zone targets on the year. So whichever prop you want to do, if you want to do an anytime touchdown, I don't have a problem with that either. Uh, 11 red zone targets is second highest. That's higher higher than anybody on the Lions. Mm-hmm. Only guy behind is Devontae, which you're never going to get any value betting on him to score a touchdown. So I think you're on the right path there with Myers. Everything you just said about Jacobs, I agree. So we expect the Raiders to play from behind. The Lions stuff the run. The Raiders have had zero semblance of a run game all season long. After Jacobs was the rushing leader last year, maybe some of these numbers 
based on reputation still, even though we're in the middle point of the season, should we be betting under 59 and a half rushing yards for Jacobs? Oh, yeah. Probably. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. We're playing from behind. Mm -hmm. Game script. Game script, matchup, you know, whatever you want to point to. The, the Lions have, have been outstanding stuffing there. I mean, they've gone up against good rushing attacks, like notably the Falcons. And I know I've cited this game a lot, but, but while Jacobs is probably more of an inside rusher and the Lions have faced more outside runs a good bit, I don't think it matters. I think they're good no matter what rushing attack they're facing. And this is going to be one that, yeah, you still like Josh Jacobs, but uh, the public certainly agrees. Under 63 and a half rushing yards at minus 130, mo- one of the more bet on ticket props for BetMGM. I think Love that it. makes a ton of sense. And I would back the public in, in this spot just because of all the things that we've talked about. There's nothing that you can point to where you are really confident. Like the Lions are good at defending the run at every level, not just the front, but linebackers secondary. They can handle you know, whatever adversity they might face if, say, a running back gets into the secondary. So I I see no reason not to do that. And it kind of goes back to my thesis that I think the Raiders are a good bit more predictable offensively. I mean, look at their coach. Like, do you really think that they're going to come out and do all these weird, funky things with, you know, Josh McDaniel? No, they're not going to do that. Like, we know who they're going to try and get the ball to, and it's not going to work. So, you know... The idea of an alt spread, I think, is fine. Backing Lions minus seven and a half is is more than okay here, and it's going to be in part because they just can't run the ball. The Raiders, I like it exactly. So I I have one more, mm-hmm. and uh, Joe might know this guy quite well because he played at Notre Dame, Michael Mayer. Now he might have some good know. chemistry with Jimmy G. His receiving yards down last week, but prior to that. He had 75 and 39 receiving yards. His prop is at 21 and a half. Especially if they're not running the ball. It is intriguing. Yeah, I thought he was going to go over that. The number was about the same last week against the Bears, and the Bears have struggled against tight ends. So I figured it was a great spot for him back quarterback. Just didn't happen. Uh, But, yeah, the last time Jimmy Garoppolo was out there, he did have a big – it was that wait the Patriots game was that a Hoyer game he came in in relief right was it about a half the game mm-hmm. that yeah. sounds right that sounds yeah. right yeah that was that was his big game so what's happened in a lot of these situations is they go to him early they get him involved and then they kind of forget about him um, <laughs> it, it always takes time with with a a rookie tight end uh, we just saw this with Kincaid right on Thursday where he had the big game mm-hmm. but he backed it up. I believe he went over all his numbers. I wonder. Uh, they're going to be passing a lot, to your point. The number is low. But what's he gone over this? Like once this year? He a couple catches. Twice. Mm-hmm. He's gone over twice. that twice. Like you said, last week, Jimmy G was not in. Maybe him and Jimmy G have some more chemistry. And he had 13 yards, two receptions. So he's going to need two to five. I would think he would get it in a situation like this where they're going to have to pass the ball more. Perhaps. His reception is at two and a half. So, I mean, if you think he's going to get the ball, then over two and a half seems good. He's only gone over that one once, and you're getting a little better value on over receptions, obviously, because he hasn't 
gone over that, you know, only one time. So seven it, it games. It does seem Lions like with game script, up. though, with what the Lions yeah. are going to try and do, it's that okay, yeah, you want to give us the short passes, we'll let you have those. We know you're not scoring in the red zone against us. You can't run against us, and so the Deeks and Dunks whomever is going to be targeted for the Raiders that way. I think Myers will be a part of that attack, but I think ultimately, you know, you trust the Lions to have a deep shot somewhere. Don't know if you trust that with the Raiders, despite Devontae Adams. And so that might be the bet there that I like is, is like total receptions than anything else, Aaron. Mm -hmm. 439 yards in seven games against tight ends, so 63 per game. Uh, they've given mm-hmm. up four touchdowns, which is tied with many for second most to the position, but we also remember he, they didn't play Kelsey in week one. Right. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, it would be even worse it if feels they like did. a lifetime ago. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so um, that could be a good look. Could be a good look. Could be something you're sweating till the very end, and then it goes over in garbage time. <laughs> whatever it takes yes whatever wins a win uh yeah yeah right by the way i should mention while we have a moment uh make sure uh later today to go to the betql app at six o'clock eastern time tonight i will lead a live chat getting you ready for monday night football we'll talk about bets to place live betting matchups we like all that fun stuff again the monday night football preview chat with me beginning at six o'clock eastern time on the betql app Excited to be joining you guys again. So let's make some money, shall we? Uh, as far as anytime touchdown props that we might like, Devontae Adams score the first one is at 12 to 1. Sam Laporta to score an anytime touchdown is plus 150. It, it is kind of this trade off in this market, Joe, where on the one hand, the Lions will be scoring more of them, but maybe it's more unpredictable compared with the Raiders, where you know where the ball is going. It's just will they have enough opportunities to score touchdowns? Yeah, and this, I, I mentioned Myers, and the number keeps dropping. Now it's barely above two to one. Like I, It feels like the value's been sucked out of that one. All right, where where would I go? Goff indoors, think they're going to play better. Why not Jared Goff? Jared Goff on a rollout. Nobody on him. I could see him just strolling in. Uh, plus 750 for an anytime touchdown. Boy, if I'm bringing that up, he's got to be my first touchdown bet, right? Mm-hmm. 33 to 1. 33 to 1 at BetMGM for golf. I'll do that. Wow. Mm. Ooh. Dang. They are reliable <laughs> as far as I uh, Jameer Gibbs, though, like, do you trust him in the yes. red zone? Because it does seem like, okay, yeah, the rollouts are certainly there. It's certainly a possibility. But I mean, what were the Lions known for last year and to an extent this year? Like, once they're inside, say, the three. They're just running it up the middle every time, right? Yeah, you know, I could see Gibbs getting into the, the end zone. Line. I could see him getting in a couple I, I, times, honestly. Plus 425 for two plus. Like That would not surprise me at all. I like that a lot. Yeah. That one I'm really intrigued by. I think Gibbs Anything stand solid. out here for you, Aaron, as first touchdowns? Uh, first touchdown, I don't bet these. I have no idea. <laughs> Someone with the Lions. How about that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so not Devontae Adams. You're, you're fading the public. That we have uh, established, not which I Jacobs. don't blame you there. Yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> score early, score often if you're Detroit. This is Bet Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, our World Series bets for Game 3. 
this series all square at one. How exciting is that? That's coming up right here on the BetQL Network. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Are you ready for the most interactive from BetQL? Welcome back to BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Eddie Cross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you as we preview Game 3 of the World Series, which is tied at one game, Joe. Yes, this has been absolutely wonderful. Yeah, Game 2 was a, a bit lopsided, but it was still an exciting yeah. Game 2 as much as it could be. Uh, but this has been a fast, a fantastic World Series so far. Anyone who tells me otherwise doesn't know what they're talking about. They're not watching the series at all, or they were biased to begin with. And now we get Game 3, which is a coin flip for BetMGM. Each side on the money line is minus 110. Max Scherzer against Brandon Fought. Joe, how are you playing it? Yeah, if uh, the NFL game goes like many of us expect it to go, there'll be a lot of people tuned in. I'll be, I'll be honest, game two, going against college football, and I checked the score. I didn't check in. I'm like, there's no need. There was no need. I'm like, I'll just continue to, to watch and bet on college football, which is what I think most people were doing. The coin flip game. It's it's interesting. So it shifts to Arizona, and it's a coin flip game, high total of nine. You know, with both of these pitchers, how long are they going to last? Scherzer, the two starts against Houston, he failed to go more than four innings, but the outs prop is listed at 14 and a half. So the third time in, are we going to see more? Because it was 44 pitches, then 63. That's the first thing that I took a look at. And fought, he's got, the guy's got so much experience now. This is his fifth playoff spot start. Already, his fifth playoff start, and he's been terrific. He has 22 strikeouts and only three walks. I think a lot of people are going to be inclined to fade Fott because, you know, oh, he's the younger guy, and you're going against Scherzer. Well, Scherzer's third playoff start. Third time through since the injury, he's going to get more more, uh, more time to go. And, you know, you look, look at Fott. He did face them once. Keep in mind, that was his first career start in the bigs. And they did smash him, but I wouldn't look back on that. He, he's learned a whole lot. He has a whole lot more experience right now. Um, if I'm playing Asada, I'm going with the Rangers, though. I am in, in this coin flip spot. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. Do I love I it? it co- no, but I'd go that way. Mm-hmm. For me, it comes down to which version of Scherzer is going to show up here in Game 3 because the Rangers certainly have the bats to help him out as well. I was taking a step back remembering the earlier in the regular season when Fott got called up and I was like, how do you say his name, Jake? (laughs) You know, and now (laughs) you look at the two dudes and their ERAs you got fought at 270 and Scherzer with 945. It's like, what in the world is going on? I think it's fascinating if you just take a step back and remember, like, gosh, this is crazy between these two guys. Where I ultimately ended up landing his first five under, maybe we will get another good version of Scherzer. Under five, first five uh, is my favorite play. 
Brandon fought dressed up as Max Scherzer for Halloween and just stuck with it. Like had the different color eyeball contact lenses. Definitely. That would be so cool. The overall. Oh, yeah. By the way, uh, if you guys saw the uh, World Series preview uh, during the Cowboys-Rams game, the animation of Max Scherzer, they also got the the multicolored eyeballs uh, in the drawing. Like, absolutely brilliant stuff. Like, you got some professionals out there. So, uh, good stuff. Uh, Speaking of good stuff, uh, Mike Petriello wrote a great article about why Brandon fought is who he is now. He's not the guy who's floating around AAA baseball. Now he is a legitimate starter in the major leagues and a really impactful pitcher when it comes to why the Diamondbacks are in the World Series in the first place. And one of the big things he did was he changed his approach on the mound where he was standing on the third base side, and now he moved to the first base side. And what that did was when, say, he was throwing his sweeper, a real pitch, It went from a ball to being a strike originally, and now it's going from a strike to being a ball, and that matters because then hitters are swinging and missing at pitches outside the zone, which is exactly what you want to do. And so the approach is different there. That certainly helped him. And he's also added a sinker to his arsenal, something he didn't have earlier this season. And so I think those moves are enough to where it's okay to jettison those high ERA numbers earlier in the season for him and focus a little bit more on the postseason because I think these changes have made him a completely different pitcher. Meanwhile, when you're talking about Max Scherzer, I might push back on this idea that his first two starts were atrocious. I think some things he did were good, but the mistakes were really bad mistakes. So maybe inconsistent is a better way to describe how he's uh, performed in the ALCS. He wants to get to his fastball pitches as often as possible. He's been elite there. I think he can still be elite. But if he goes to off-speed stuff, notably the changeup, I think that's where he's going to run into some problems because there are some good Diamondbacks hitters who can hit his changeup. And I think potentially even in you know Chase Field, where home runs are a little bit harder to come by, I do expect a couple of guys, they will see the changeup and they will pounce on that. So I don't necessarily have a play on the side or total, but I think there are some key hitters who I am eyeing for a game like this, notably Josh Young because he's good against the sweeper and Geraldo Perdomo has been good against the changeup. So those are probably the props that I want to begin with, Joe. I wrote down Josh Young. Yep. First, I, I was going through the gamut. I'm like, okay, he's over one and a half total bases. Is plus 135 to get an RBI. Is plus 180. And to hit a homer, he's five to one tonight. So I certainly the, the hitter on the ranges that I'm going to be focused in on. Mm-hmm. Well, hasn't the narrative around thought been that he does give up homers? So looking to the Rangers side, who's going to hit one? Maybe that could be profitable perhaps, but if you're doing like ballpark adjustments, this is a tougher, and look, this is probably why fought is getting the nod for game three in Arizona, Mm. where it's harder to hit home runs and the diamondbacks. Yeah. Tougher for the, uh, easier for the diamondbacks because they like to manufacture runs a little bit more on, on the base pass. I offensively, this is probably a better game for them, but it's still a toss up because it's Max Scherzer. Like at some point, whenever that is when he comes back to form he's gonna be really dominant so there are a lot of conflicting forces to where i think the number is sharp yeah and there were a number of uh starts in the regular season where he would just give up three 
Uh, I think one of them he gave up four home runs in a game. Actually, he did against the Rangers. Mm-hmm. He gave up four home runs in his yeah. first career start. Yeah. Uh, but but in the playoffs, we haven't seen it. He had two starts against Philly, and all those boppers in that lineup, he only gave up one home run to them, none against the Dodgers, and then one against the Brewers. So, and by the way, we mentioned Young, and he hit two homers off him. When they played back in yeah. May. So, yeah, certainly something worth looking at. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Young everything today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, as far as uh, what the public's doing, uh, Garcia to hit home run is plus 240. Uh, that's that's getting bet on a good bit. Uh, Garcia also the favorite to win World Series MVP. Uh, but as far as other uh, potential home run hitters, Tommy Pham uh, plus five twenty five. Christian Walker to hit a home run at four to one is intriguing because he's someone we hyped up a good bit prior to the start of the World Series, and through two games, uh, he's leaving a little something to be desired. Yeah, we we hyped him up because of the number though, because he's got the right. ability, and the number was getting out there because the other names were what people were betting on. So, yeah, we're, we're still waiting. By the way, just looking at some of those stat categories after two games, your hits leader, Tommy Pham. Tommy Pham has five. So there's that. And uh, your stolen base leader, everybody had Perdomo, right? He's got two. Clearly. Uh, a bunch of guys. <laughs> a bunch of guys have one. So, but it's all, all very tight there. Certainly is. Certainly is. C- can I ask a question to the group about World Series MVP? Because – Garcia yeah. certainly leading the way at plus 240, and you can understand that just because he had the walk-off winner in game one. Texas has that Kirk Gibson moment, I suppose, because of uh, you know Garcia sort of being an unknown for you know the last several years, and now he's uh, coming out like gangbusters, has his own nickname, all that good stuff. Uh, Seager 5-1, to one, Carroll at 6-1. to one. Here's my question for the group, though, because – Marcus Simeon is batting leadoff still for the Rangers, but he is absolutely struggling. Is it possible that Bruce Bochy makes a change with who's batting leadoff? And depending upon who that player is, is that who we should be looking for for MVP? In other words, if we say, okay, at some point, Bochy's going to make a change for leadoff. Do we want to figure out who that's going to be? And if we do figure it out, should we bet? Should we be betting on them to win MVP? I asked this question two games ago because it, it, it makes perfect sense. But how old school is Bochy going to be with this? You are 1-1 in the World Series. After the great run that you've had, is now the time to make a change? Not saying Bochy's scared. But I could see him with the approach of, well, it hasn't killed us yet. And what if it just we're messing up a few different things, right, by making that one change? Uh, sometimes your old school managers do think that way, whether it's reality or not. So that would – I'm not expecting a change, but it would make a lot of sense for it to happen, and maybe it would have to come from up top. When, when would the change happen if they lose tonight? That's what I'm like, thinking. Like, would you need to bet like, that today? Probably anticipating yeah. the change and getting the better number. It's almost as though the timeline is such to where, okay, 
if the Rangers lose game three and say Simeon continues to struggle and both things have to happen. Like if he goes four for four, but everyone else sucks, then all right, that's, that's a different conversation. But if he's still struggling and the Rangers lose game three, then you almost have to pounce on that immediately. Right? Like you need to kind of be prepared for it. And then whomever is chosen, okay, hopefully you're right or wrong. But if you're wrong, then maybe you still want to pounce on that because they'll have the additional plate appearances. Man, Simeon has been their leadoff hitter for all 162 games in the regular season. Wow. It, it, it's the only spot in the, in the lineup where it's the same guy every day. Mm-hmm. Wow. So maybe it won't happen, regardless if they're yeah. down 2 one, three, one. But still, I did I feel like at some point they have to do it, but maybe Bochi won't. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, we take our first look at week nine of the NFL season. That's right here on the BetQL Network.